let's open up our Bibles this morning, and uh, we're going to continue our series. And uh, very excited about it. And I want to begin by asking you a very important question, and that is, what keeps you from going into the promised land? Uh, really important question, amen. I hope you can answer that. Um, we can't always see what he has for us. Wish we could, amen, if we could see all the relationships and all the provision he's making for us. Uh, we, we would see clearly and we would know truly who he is. So I'm calling this series uh, Vision 2020 because I know if we had 2020 vision, um, we could see who God is and we could even see the ways of God. And then obviously we would learn how to trust him deeper, right? That's how it works. Um, so I've been asking, what do we need to have 2020 vision? And I want, I've been asking also not only how you can get it, but I've been asking what stops you from getting it. And so our series has been taking us uh, to look at the Israelites uh, when they were given the promised land. Uh, but remember, they refused to go in. Um, and that's really sometimes what we do. We, we know the promises of God, but we choose not to go. So there are five attitudes uh, we've been looking at that actually kept them in the desert. Remember them? And uh, today we're up to the fourth one. Uh, so let's go over the first three. The first one I told you won't, will keep you in the desert is complaining. So don't be doing that. Number two I told you the second one was coveting. Don't do that. And then the big one last week was what? Criticism. Stop criticizing. All that stuff is only going to keep you in the desert. So for the fourth attitude uh, that keeps us out of the desert, I want to uh, show you a story. Um, his name is Matt Chandler. Um, he has learned over the past 17 years of pastoring. He pastors a village church, and it's in uh, Texas. He's married. His wife is uh, uh, Lauren. And he's going to tell you today about a day of trouble that he had back in 2009. Uh, it happened on Thanksgiving Day. Matt collapsed uh, from a malignant brain tumor. Uh, he had surgery and was given two to three years to live. That was in 2009. Matt commented in June of 2010 that he believed that God had actually healed him from cancer. Um, he went to Baylor University Medical Center, and he was given a clean bill of health in September of 2010. I want you to watch this video. You have the background of who he is. Uh, and Matt actually taped this one I'm showing you first, right before the surgery. At this point, um, Matt does not know he has cancer. So if you're watching this, he does not know it, okay? But I really want you to watch what he says. When he doesn't know, he doesn't have cancer. I want you to listen really carefully to what he's saying to us. Okay? So let's, let's watch this video. Um, hi, I'm Matt Chandler. I'm the lead pastor, teaching pastor here at the Village Church. Um, if you haven't heard, it's been uh, quite the weekend, uh, really quite the week for us. Uh, on Thanksgiving morning, uh, I had a seizure and woke up in the hospital. Uh, they did some scans and they found a, a tumor on my right frontal lobe. Um, it's about uh, two inches um, by one inch, so two inches in diameter, about one inch deep. Um, and on Friday, really by the time you watch this, uh, they're gonna go in and, and cut it out. And so I, I wanted to say just a couple of things to you uh, very quickly. Um, knowing that this is the first weekend in FMX, we're live streaming, like all these good things are happening and I'm having to miss out on that. Uh, just trust the Lord with that. Um, but in, in the end, a couple of things. One, I, I just can't thank you enough. Um, and really the places where our hearts have been real tender is um, just the outpouring of love and encouragement and support and prayers um, from really not just the village, but all over the world. And um, that's been such a humbling, humbling thing. Uh, to me and my family. Um, and so I wanted to thank you for that. And then um, the second thing, I just wanted to say this um, so you could hear me say this. Um, I've been, in my travels this fall, I've been preaching kind of the same message out of Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, um, he says that 
that some shut the mouths of lions and, and some um, they put foreign armies to flight and some, you know, it kind of goes through this, all these good things that happen to these men of God. And then right in the middle of, I believe, um, I believe it's verse 30. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's somewhere right in there. All of a sudden just turns. I think it's 32. It just turns. And all of a sudden it says, and some were tortured and, and some um, were sawn in two and some were destitute and some were, and, and then he said, but both, both walked in faith. And, and so this, I'm 35 years old. I'm at this point in my life, all he's ever given me um, was, I mean, we just, we've shut the mouths of lions and we put foreign armies to flight and we fought against injustice and there've been nothing but good um, that has come. And so I've always felt like, um, I've always felt when, when I taught that message, there was this hitch in me that was going, when I say, but some don't get that, I, I thought that there would be people in the crowd that would say, um, well, well, of course you're going to say that. Of course you're going to point that out because God's done nothing but be good to you. He's done nothing but be gracious. He's done nothing but let you have victory after victory after victory. Um, and so when this all came out and then when we found out from the surgeon that there, we were expecting to get multiple options, here are your options, and we didn't. We got, there's one option. We need to get in there now. Um, I, there's this part of me that's so grateful that the Lord counted me worthy for this. And there's this part of me that goes, okay, because now in an area where it's not a big win, I get to show that he's enough. Then I get to praise him and exalt him and, and make much of him in this because I've got to make much of him in this. Now he, he's counting me worthy to, to point to him in this. Um, and so know that, man, we, we've cried our tears at my house and man, I've held my children. I've kissed them and I've kissed my wife and what I, what I would love is to be a 70-year-old man drinking coffee. I would love to walk my daughter down the aisle. I would love to see um, my boy turn into the athlete I never was. I mean, I would love to, I would love to do all of that. Um, but none of those things is better than him. None of those things. And I'm saying that now. I'm saying that right now. Not as the guy who has everything and has nothing in front of him that he could lose. But I'm telling you that now as a guy who could lose everything in, in an instant. Um, and so, man, I love you. I love this place. It's been the great joy of my life to yell at you for seven years. Um, my plan is to come back um, more aggressive. That's my plan. And so we'll see what the Lord has for me. Um, I, am, I am not afraid. Uh, and so for those of you who kind of just keep living in fear, um, and, and you would try to use this as an excuse to continue in that fear, don't you dare use me as an excuse to continue in your lies. Um, my hope would be that you would see that he is good in all things and that he would never send to any of us things he does not provide strength for. I love you more than you know. I can't wait to, can't wait to be back. Can't wait to be back. I love you. Wow. Appreciate his honesty. He had it all. Nothing ever bad. But he couldn't preach that all the time, right? Because nothing really was hard. Now he's got something hard. You know, um, as he quoted Hebrews 11, uh, faith is confident in the things you hope for. Confident in what? The things you hope for. There's an expectation that God's going to do something. Do you guys have that? It's really important. He does go on and he talks about people who had been blessed and challenged, and he says that, both had faith. Those when God did good things had faith, and when difficulties came, what? They had faith too. I looked up the verse, it's Hebrews 11.35. If you want to find out when they were sawed in half and put in jail and disgraced, look those verses up, Hebrews 11.35, because they're in the Bible too. Hard things happen, right? So the question is what? How strong is your faith? That's what I want to talk with you about. Or maybe you're afraid too. I love this statement, don't let what happened to him cause you fear because he would never want that for you. Maybe you doubt God, uh, that God can work. You just can't see any opportunities. When you think of the situation you're in, maybe you were filled with fear and anxiety. Perhaps maybe even now you're facing something and actually 
you know you need more faith, raise your hand. More faith, good. Some of you know. Um, maybe it's in the area of your finances. Maybe some of you don't have enough money. Uh, maybe you're, you're in a broken relationship. Maybe your children are in a crisis. Maybe your grandchildren are in a crisis. Maybe you're at a difficult place in your work. Maybe you're in a really difficult marriage. You don't even know if your spouse loves you. Maybe you have an addiction. Maybe you have a mental health issue. Um, doesn't really matter, right? What I'm asking you about is what? I'm asking you about your faith. When things get hard, write it down. What's the thing you guys are facing? Just take a moment and say, this is what I'm facing. And you know what? I'm not sure it's going to all work out. Could you write that down on a piece of paper? Write it down. We all have them, amen? Think about it as we're speaking today, because today I really want to challenge you that no matter what's happening, I want to ask you, would you be willing to activate your faith? You see, the fourth attitude that kept the people out of the promised land was what? Doubt. I know we all have doubts, uh, but the challenge God is giving us today is not to doubt, but to trust God and to walk in faith. Will, will you do that? Um, increasing your faith will decrease your doubt. Have you figured that out yet? How many of you got that formula down? Write it down, study it, be sure you're doing it. Increase faith, decreases your doubt. So, today I want to look at how can you increase your faith? How can you increase your trust in God? But make no doubt about it, doubt shows up in small things and it shows up in big things. And results in a life that's usually pretty negative. You're living a small life. You're actually relying on your own self, your own possibilities, your own humanness. Uh, and you've come to the conclusion, I hope, none of it works. So this morning, as we begin, I want to make a comparison clearly for you in defining what doubt is and what faith is. And maybe take a look at this and figure out where you're at. Uh, so doubt is a lack of confidence or assurance that God will do what he says he would do. Faith, on the other hand, is believing the word of God. And as I said today, not only believing it, but you must act on it. Doubt is the absence of faith. When you are in doubt, there's no faith. There's no belief in you at that point. Faith is, I've made up my mind, <laughs> and it's full of belief, and I have full assurance. Quite opposite, huh? Doubt involves a settled, persistent choice to live your life with uncertainty. You live it, you're used to it, and you stay in it. It's a horrible life for you. Faith lives with certainty in God, no matter how you feel, because you know that God has made promises to you and he will keep them. Can you see the differences? Now, you all know the importance of faith, right? Every day you are to walk by faith, and every situation you're facing, you are to do it by faith. God never told you to do it by doubt. You all know 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You all know it, right? And that is what? Let's say it together. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And God has told you to walk by faith and not by doubt. You all know that. Let's, 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 let's be honest. You all know you've heard it. You've been in this church for a year You've heard it over and over again. You know it. But faith, there's an expectancy, right? There's a hope. 
There's like, I know God's going to do what he says. That's what I want us to have as believers in Christ. But put up the next slide. There's got to be a change for you. There has to be a change. Only when faith replaces doubt can the joy of knowing God become a reality for you. Do you understand that? Have you read it? Do you get it? <laughs> Only when what? Faith replaces your doubt. There comes a time for all of us, and I hope maybe for some of you it's right now, you have to make the decision. I will walk by faith, and God will break the chains of all my doubt. Can you say that? Let's say it together. I will walk by faith in God, and God will break the chains of all of your doubt. Be really clear on it. This is how it works. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about faith. Because faith in Jesus is not part of the Christian life. It's not part of the Christian life. It's flesh. It's the whole thing. If you're not walking in faith, then you're not walking the right way. It's not part. It's what? All of it. <laughs> Without faith, it's impossible for you to please God. I want us to know that faith is the root system upon which all fruit grows and is dependent on. You might want the fruit. You cannot have fruit. You can only have fruit because you have, look at the diagram, the roots are where? In your faith. And your faith comes from God, do you understand that? Don't go around thinking I want all this fruit, but you don't walk by faith. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> faith is the root system, correct? You get this, right? It is the root system for your whole life and is itself rooted in God. We're not talking about going to some motivational seminar. We're not telling you to put your head in the sand and denying all the issues you have. We're not I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about you're rooted in God, and that God is real, and you know that he can do anything. That is how you, we're all supposed to live, correct? We are. Can you see this? Get a picture of this. Put it in your heart and mind because that's how you're supposed to be living. Go to the next slide. Now, in the book of Numbers, you can open up there, chapter 13, you're going to be looking at the attitude of doubt. And you're going to see how destructive it is. Doubt is destructive. Would you not all agree? And it's completely detrimental to your relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Completely. They don't get along. They never will. Now, I want to remind you that the Israelites have been set free. They did come out of Egypt, right? God set them free up in number one, way up in there. We've gone over this for the last couple of weeks. I've told you about the journey. They start up in Egypt, and they come all the way down Mount Sinai, right? Now they're going to go all the way up, and they're going to hit that point 11. When they're at that journey, they are ready to go into the promised land. God has given them the promised land and said, I brought you this far to get you in. And they're not going to go in. Wow. They've reached it. God is ready to give it to them. They're right there. God says, send out these 12 spies, these 12 men. Survey the land and make a report. I want to explain to you what was happening right there. 
Do you realize that when God said to them to go into the land, he already had a plan for them to take that land? Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Now, the only way that could happen would be by what? If you hear me today, the only way you could accept that is by faith. If you have no faith, you probably didn't hear what I just said. If you had faith, you heard me. Because God had the plan to bring them in, even when they didn't know. That is a statement of faith, and I fully believe it. <laughs> now, this morning, I want us to examine three principles God gives us about what's happening here, and I want us to get them down in our hearts and spirits very deep. So let's go over them. Principle one is God is going to place regular tests of faith before his children. Yes or no? Do you actually have them when? Every day. Many of you have them quite a bit in a day. That is the normal Christian life. Correct? In Numbers 13, verses 1 and 2, the Lord says to them, they're right there. Send some men to explore this land of Cana, which I have what? Did they know God gave it to them? Do you know God gave it to you? Or are you still here thinking you're not sure whether God gave you a promised land? He has given you one. Problem is, for some of you, you keep walking in doubt. You simply don't see it. <laughs> Correct? You see, he sends them to this land which he has given to them. They already know that. They are ready to take the land that God has promised them. But God also gave them, with the land, a challenge. Do you understand that? How many of you understand some of the stuff you're going through? Do you really understand what's happening to you? God is actually, <laughs> I got something for you, but I'm going to challenge you. Wow. You see, when they got there, and they sent the 12 spies in. You know your Bible. What happened when they went in? They walked 500 miles, those 12 people. 500. And what did they see when they went in? The land was completely occupied by foreigners. They were smart. They probably concluded what? They didn't want to fight them, or they wouldn't fight them. And so, it happens to us too. How many know God will give you a test of your faith? Some of you are in it right now. Let's be honest. But the test of faith is not intended for your failure. The test of faith is intended for you to grow in faith and in character, and closer to God. Do you understand? I know it may be hard to see, but do you understand? <laughs> that is what's really happening. Wow. So, as they go in, you see all the, how many miles are they walking? 500. 250 in. 250 back. And the rest of the people are waiting. Probably 2 million of them. Waiting for these 12 to come back and report. Yeah. When they got there, they saw the Amicalites. They saw the Philistines. They saw the Canaanites. They saw the Hittites. If you know your Bible, those are all their enemies. Correct? Wow. But they were called, and they were called to do what? Explore that land. So I want to talk with you about what that means, and I want you to identify what it means for you because there's three steps involved here. Let's go over them. As they go into the land, God's going to give a command. Is that not what he does? Second, 
they are going to be called to, as I told you in your giving, not just here, but you have to act. Correct? You know that. And the third thing that happens in all of this is eventually there's going to be a test of faith. So let's go through it. In verse 17, here's the command. Go into the land and take note of its condition. Who said that? God. That is God's what? Command. Sometimes God will send you out that way too. Just want you to look. Have you ever done that before? Just look. Not asking to do it. Just look. But now there's action required, right? He also says to them, what's the action? When you go into this land, he says to them, what's the action? Bring back fruit and bring it back a report to us. And tell us whether the land is fat or lean. What's the test? What's the test of faith at that point? The test of faith is when they look, can they see God's provision? And when you look, can you see God's provision? Correct? That is called what? Faith. Not to see the provision of God. Not faith. They have to see, beyond all these enemies, what? God gave a promise, and what God said he was going to do, he was going to do. Or they could go back to their fear and live that way. Let's look at the second one. God gives a command, verse 18. He says to them, when you go in, see how many people there are in that land. Are they strong or are they weak? That's God's command. They had to do that. Their action? Tell us when you come back whether there's a lot of them or whether there's a few of them. Whether they're weak or whether they're strong. They now have to come back with an action. And what's the challenge? What's the faith challenge in that as they look? You all know what it is? Same one we all face, right? And that is what? <laughs> Will you be afraid? Because when you look, you're outnumbered. Right? When you look at your difficulty, you say, oh, I'm outnumbered. I can't happen. Right. You failed the test. You failed the test. Number three. God gives a command, verse 19. God says to them, look and see if the walls of their cities are walled or unwalled. That's what God wants to know. He wants them to see that, right? What's their action? Their action is there are enemies, and if we go in, we're going to have to fight, and there will be a lot of conflict. What's the test of faith? Same one you have. Same one I have, and that's what? What's your test? Will you trust God? Do you understand the progression? <laughs> Do you understand this is what's happening? Because this is happening with you also. It's what happens. The test of faith creates a choice, right? You are going to have to choose. You will have to choose. Will you trust God and find victory? Or will you doubt God like they did, fall into despair, and completely defeated, and they have to die? It's your choice, too. You understand that, right? It's your choice, too. I say to you today, stand up. Be a person of faith. Do not let your fear and your worry overwhelm you. Put your trust in God. Activate your faith. Stop being sitting back like it's all okay. Activate your faith. Be a believer. And all God's people said, amen. Wow. Now, 
Let's go over the second principle. Second principle is the circumstances of life will either, we're gonna, it's going to do one or two things. It's going to either what? You're either going to be, I wish I had something to demonstrate this with. Maybe someone give me an old vinyl shirt or something. It's going to what? Stretch you? Or what you're going through is going to shrink you. You all understand that, right? You are either going to be stretched or you are going to shrink back. You understand that, right? That's what we do. <laughs> I'm not asking you to shrink. <laughs> I'm asking you to stretch. Now, God's promises is given. Are we all clear on that? They have the promise. The land is theirs, correct? Just like it is for you. Don't think you don't have a promised land. You actually do. God tells us things, and then he places regular tests in your life. Can you see it or not? Just look at your whole life. It's the same pattern. <laughs> right? <laughs> it comes down to this. Things are happening to you, and it's a test of your faith. But here's the question. Through what lens will they see God's promises? They have a choice, don't they? I said that to you. What is their choices? They either will say, I will look at the circumstances all through doubt. I'm not sure. I'm worried. Maybe God won't do it. But the lens is based on what? Doubt. Or they could have had a different lens, and that lens could have been, I will look at what's happening in this, and I won't go to my doubt and my fear and my worry. I will go to my faith, and I will trust God. Amen? That's how it works. Can we get back to Matt? Matt's, I love Matt. I don't know Matt, but boy, I like Matt. After, this is going to be after his surgery, not before. He, does, he didn't know that first one. He didn't know he had cancer. Now he does. He's been told he's got a malignant brain tumor. I want you to see the video. He does this on a weekly basis, and he updates his church. This is week two. He has been told by now he does have brain cancer. Remember his first talk about faith? Whether it's good or bad? Right? He told you that, right? He said, I, I have, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm what? I'm okay because either way I'm going to operate by, but now he has it. W what do you think Matt's going to do? I want you to see what Matt does. He's in the middle of radiation now. He's in the middle of his chemo treatments, and they told him he's only got three years to live. I want you to focus and watch what Matt does. And as you see what Matt does, ask yourself if you do the same. Can you do that? Let's watch Matt. Okay, this is, um, I guess, week two of the vlog. Um, I, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to do a couple of things this week in regards to updating you. One is just to kind of tell you where my head's been, where my mind's been. Um, the, um, the Psalms over and over again are going to record about the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God and how good he is and how right he is and how he loves his people, how he takes care of his people. And um, just in my own journey and just kind of reading through the Psalms and, um, and kind of meditating on them and, and thinking on the goodness of God, um, there have been all these things that have come up in my head in regards to what's occurred and what's happened. And um, let, let, let me give you examples of what I'm talking about. Um, for the two months leading up to um, the seizure on Thanksgiving Day, I had just been living in Hebrews 11. Just had kind of been living in that text of, you know, some some get to shut the mouths of lions, some get to devour, some get devoured by the lions, but 
they, they play their roles well and they, they both have faith and, and God's pleased with both. And, and so it's funny that in that exegesis and in that study and in that working through the text and in letting that text pound on me, God was prepping me even two months out for what he had for me. And, and in that, God was good. Um, three days, three or four days before my seizure, um, Lauren approached me about uh, a young woman named Stephanie Stanford, who's in our, who's a member of the Village Church and has been for quite some time. Watches our children a lot. Um, it, it is a senior in college and was looking for a place to live. And and Lauren approached me about, hey, you've got a busy travel schedule in 2010. Um, I could use the help. She could use a place to live. What do you think about Stephanie living in our uh, in our playroom slash office slash storage room slash bedroom. Um, and so three days before the seizure, I said, I, th I think that'd be a great idea and that'd be a great help. And so, um, so for the month I was in the hospital, Lauren had Stephanie living here at the house with her, helping with the kids, helping drive, helping school, helping. And in that God was good. And, and, and so I could just keep going here in Dallas to have an interoperative MRI, which means in my brain surgery, they were able to be pretty aggressive because they could they could cut and then they could take a picture and then they could cut and then they could take a picture and then they could cut versus um, taking an MRI, going in, doing the surgery, closing me up, and then a month later taking a picture and hoping that they were able to be aggressive enough. So in, in that, in, in Dallas having an MRI machine, interoperative MRI machine, God was good. Um, techno in technology, God was good. If prayers are God's invitation to us, um, into what he's doing. God used things like Twitter and Facebook and those things to call the church to pray for um, my surgery and, and even now has continued to use it to, um, to call people to pray for healing for um, and in that God has just been good and, and beautiful and, um, and so near. And, and then even like little things that I've been so grateful for is the timing. Like this occurred right as we were moving into our FMX campus. So the, the last Sunday in Highland Village and the first Sunday in Flower Mound, I'm, I mean, I'm just gone. We were going live stream. We were going, there were all these major transitions taking place in the life of the church. And, and the timing of this occurred in such a way that God, God could go, this is not Matt Chandler's church. This is my church. This thing that's happening here, this is not woven into him it, as much as this is me and my Holy Spirit and, and my will and what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. And, and in that, God was good. He, he was good in, 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 really warming up my soul and, and reminding me that this is his deal and he was good for the village church to show them that this thing is built on one man and that man is Jesus Christ. Um, and then and then Nora wanted to add a little something to the vlog this week. Um, and then man I've got I've got all these things here um, in, in order to um, in order to, I had the seizure. Um, I had not had any symptoms, no headaches, no blurry vision, no motor skill issues. The reason we found out about the tumor, the reason we were able to do what we were able to do is because I had a seizure Thanksgiving morning. So in the seizure, God was good. Thanksgiving will never be the same for us. Um, Thanksgiving will truly be a day for the rest of our lives that there is a deep and immense gratitude for life and mercy and, and all that God has done uh, in sustaining us and, and driving us. So... Um, you you guys doing all of this first of all i want to say to you god was preparing him for the brain tumor did y'all hear that god had him in numbers 11 for a year why you think that's a mistake or do you think god knew what he was going to do with the difficulty be clear guys god jesus christ knew that he was preparing him some of you he's preparing for too you're going to go through a difficulty but believe me you open up your eyes and you see it by faith. Correct? So let's talk about what he did. Tell me the three things he did. Well, we all know the lens, right? The lens is what? His lens is what? Faith. Let's go over them. Tell me what he, what's the first thing he did. What, what did he do? What do you see? Anything? Yes. What did the pastor do? Three lenses he went through. What were the three ways he looked at it? Give me one. All right, how many of you are doing that one? He's looking at the difficulties, but he's seeing how good God is. Do you guys do that? He's saying, look at Thanksgiving when I got that tumor. Isn't God good to me? Are you, are you doing that, or are you, oh, woe is me. What a horrible life I have. 
which one are you doing? Are you looking for the goodness of God? Are you looking for the activity of God? Or are you so self-focused you can't see a thing? Get it right. (laughs) Number one, you do what? You look for the activity of God. You say, Lord, what are you doing? And Lord, whatever happens, I will trust you. Correct? Is that your lens? Number two, what's the second part of his lens? What else did he do? Dan, did you see anything? Huh? Anyone else? What did you see? Yeah, but what's, what did he do? What's his action? Gratitude. He goes to gratitude. He's grateful. But what else does he do? He what, Donna? He prays. And he listens to God. How many of you are doing that one? You're in the midst of your crisis, and you're praying, and you're asking God. How many of you are doing that? You're saying, God, what are you doing? Show me what you're doing, God. Whatever it is, I will trust you. You are not only talking, but you are. (laughs) God only gave you one mouth, and you listen. How many of you are listening? Lord, what are you doing? Show me what you're doing. And number three, we should all know this by heart. Where does he go? His father. Where does he go? He goes to the word. He's reading the word. He's saturating himself with the word of God the whole time he's in this. He's looking for the promises of God. He's looking for the character of God. God, you're good. You're kind. You'll see me through this, God. You you love me. You're you're there for me. He's getting filled with God. Listen, guys. The Bible's more than a book. When you're going through something, that book is life to you. Do you not understand what we're doing every week when we come? We're looking for life, and the life is in the book. For you to go through something and not look at the book, you're not going to the promised land. You go to his word, and you settle on his word, and you stick to his word, no matter what anybody else says to you. Because guess what? One day you won't face those people. They won't have a word to say to you. The only one who's going to say something to you is Jesus Christ. Because he gave you his word. He was telling you the circumstances, and he was living you faith. Do you understand? Wow. I am so glad. (laughs) How about your situation that you wrote down? Do you know what to do? Do you know what to do? Are you clear on the three? Let's go over that. I want you to be sure you know. First one is what? You look for the activity of God. Second is you pray. And some of you may have to pray more and more like you've never prayed before. Some of you, your intensity of prayer really needs to increase. Some of you may have to go to fasting. Three, you get into that word of God like you've never been in it before. You study it like your life is dependent on it. Because guess what? It is. Make no mistake. Activate your faith. So, let's go over the third principle. Third principle is doubt sees obstacles. Faith sees opportunity in the very same situation. Let me explain. Two people can look at the exact same situation and see the exact opposite. You all know that, don't you? I hope you do. One heart is going to be filled with doubt, and they are going to focus on the obstacle. That's what they do. And you're going to have another person who's going to be in the exact same situation, seeing the exact same thing, and are going to talk about faith. 
That's reality. Do you understand that? Now, I want to go over the ten spies. Are you ready? What did they see? Verse 28, you can read it. They came back, and here's their account. We went into the land to which you sent us. And guess what? It does overflow with milk and honey. Good news. And there is fruit in that land. Good news. But. You ready? The people who live there are powerful. The cities they have are fortified and they are large. And we even saw descendants of the Anarch, and they're giants, and they're going to kill us all. How many of you came back with that report? Ten of them. Ten out of twelve. Now, they all saw the same thing, right? Let's be clear. Now, it all comes down to one thing, and I told you. One thing. Only comes down to one thing. What's the difference between the ten and the two? Very clear. One. Only one. There's only one difference between the ten and the two. And it's clear. Two had confidence in God, in God's word, that God had a plan, God had a way, and God had a provision. And the other ten, don't be surprised when the majority of the world looks at life with those eyes of doubt. Amen? But not you. You're a follower of Jesus Christ, right? You don't operate by doubt, right? You know you're supposed to live by faith. You know that. Everyone knows that. So I thought I'd like for us to look at what actually happens here so you can get aware of this. Put up the next slide. I want you to know that doubt has a lot of disguises. Some of you, all of us are probably familiar with them, but let's go over them. You see, doubt doesn't always come out as doubt. Doubt also likes to hide. It likes to hide behind something. So let's go over the five things that doubt likes to hide. Number one, fear. Fear is just a disguise for what? Fear just says, oh, I'm afraid. Nothing's going to work out. Number two, anxiety. I don't really think God's going to protect me. I'm not even sure he's still with me. And your anxiety is going to rise and rise and rise. It is only a disguise for your doubt. Be very clear. Be very clear about this. Number three, frustration and anger. Your frustration will rise. Some of you will even get very angry. You'll, you will be like, I feel like I'm a merry-go-round. Nobody cares about me. You got doubt. You're living with it. It's controlling you. Number four? Well, I'm going to go with withdrawal. Because at this time, when you're so filled with doubt, what do you want to do? You want to go in your house and you don't want to talk with anybody. It's not your isolation that's the problem. The reality is what? You live in doubt that God could actually take you out. Let's be very clear. And number five? And this we are seeing more of, and that is bitterness. Do you understand frustration, anger? What does it lead to? That person is going to be what? Bitter, bitter, bitter. And it all comes from what? Doubt. Doubt only wants to disguise itself. If we could say to people that those things you're living with, the root of it is doubt, we got a shot at coming out. They got a shot. You got a shot. I got a shot. But to live in denial of that, you're stuck. You won't change the lens. You won't change the lens. But you will be defeated, and you are going down. And all God's people said it. So, go to the next slide. Why do I find it? I have to ask the question. Why? It's okay. Why do you and I find it so hard to actually trust God? And I want to say to you, you may have a problem of focus, your mind. 
one person's mind is going to go on what? All the problems, all the obstacles, all the stuff that's going to move them away from God. The other person is going to what? They're going to focus on God. God will provide. God will make a way. God's going to help. God knows my future. God said this is a test. God's going to get me through this. God's going to show me the way. Correct? <laughs> Faith in Jesus Christ requires, absolutely, you must guard your mind and guard your heart. Otherwise, you will be overwhelmed with your doubts. So, this is my favorite slide. I love this one. Go to the next one. I want you to understand what happens here. What makes the difference? Focus, mindset, and attitude. Can we compare them? Let's do it. Let's compare the 10 spies to Caleb and Joshua. The 10 spies, they think they're a bunch of they think they're a bunch of, they think they're a bunch of grasshoppers. Do you feel that way? Are you a grasshopper? Jumping around. You can't stay still. Nothing can work. You're so small. You're a grasshopper. And I want you to know where you're a grasshopper. You read what the Bible says? You're a grasshopper where? Read the Bible. Read verse, oh, someone show me verse uh, 33. You are, I am a grasshopper, where? I am a grasshopper, where? Who knows, in where? In my own eyes. Some of you in your own eyes, you're just a bunch of grasshoppers. In whose eyes? Your eyes. You're actually not a grasshopper. The only one that thinks you're a grasshopper is you. Joshua and Caleb don't say they're grasshoppers. Joshua and Caleb, they have a lion's mentality. They know their identity is in God. We are from the chosen people. We are a royal people. We are a priesthood. We are a particular people called by God that God would work through this moment in history for his glory. They know who they are. Those ten think they're grasshoppers. Where? In their own minds. Do you know who you are? Or do you think you are who you think you are? Or do you know who you are because God says you are that? Believe me, this is no minor issue. Get this one resolved. If this one's not resolved, you won't be able to come out. You need to know who God says you are, not what you think about yourself. Correct or not? And all God's people said. Number two. Number two. These ten over here totally ignored God. Is there anything in the report about God? Is there any? Is there any God talk? There's none. Joshua, on the other hand, he goes like this. God is for us. Verse 33. We should go up and take the land. Correct? Do you hear the difference between the two? Oh, my goodness. He's putting his whole faith in God. God promised the land. Let's take what he gave us. Makes sense, doesn't it? Number three, they doubted that the promised land would give them any future. Caleb and Joshua stand on the promises of God, and they go, let's go up and take it. <laughs> God has given it to us. We can do this. What do you think? Big difference. Major difference. And number four, the ten spies, and they'll always do this. They're going to give a what kind of report? You're going to hear a lot of negative reports. And guess what? How many people listen to the negative reports? Let's figure there were two million of them. How many people of the two million listened to the negative report? How many of them had to die in the desert? They all had to die. God says, your punishment for your doubt is your death. Guess who gets in? Joshua and Caleb get in. Can you imagine that? 
that God would spare their lives to watch two and a half million people die and then say to them, Joshua and Kid, because of your faithfulness, you're not going to die. You actually are going to get in. Do you have any idea like what happened there? <laughs> do you have any idea of that reality that God would do something like that? Because that to me is totally wild. I don't know about you, but to me that's like, wow, what an awesome God. Take their lives, but these two kept faith all this time while they're in the desert, and I'm going to reward them? They're getting in. Do you have any idea like who God is? <laughs> like God would do that kind of thing? Because of what? They live by faith. And God rewarded them by faith. Hey, bet. Joshua goes in and says, we can certainly do it. Hear any difference? They are completely opposite. You have to choose. You have to make a decision. Caleb's got his, how many of you know Caleb's got it and Joshua's got their mind made up? They are going to live by what? Faith. Their mind is made up. Is yours? Or are you still kind of not sure what you want to do? Wow. Caleb made up his mind, and guess what? He was willing to stand up for what God said, even though the rest of them didn't. How would you like to be under that pressure? Two and a half million people turning against you. We think you're wrong, Joshua. We think you're wrong, Caleb. You're making a mistake about God. They go, no, we're not making a mistake about God. We know our God. We're sticking with God, and we're not following the crowd. Do you understand that? <laughs> or are you going along with the crowd? Because the crowd is going to bring you towards negativity and death. Make no doubt about it. Right? You all know this, right? Wow. Ah, God is so good. You know what? Can we finish off Matt's story? After Matt had six weeks of radiation, nine weeks of chemo, he was told he's got three years to live. I want you to see what happens. Can you imagine what's going to happen? How many can even imagine what's going to happen to Matt? Or do you know enough about Matt right now that you already know what's going to happen? How many of you know enough about Matt that you already know? I pray you do. Watch what happens. I literally woke up and uh, the coffee was brewed and uh, poured a cup of coffee and went and sat, uh, went and sat in my chair. Lauren asked uh, me to feed our youngest, Nora, and so got a bottle and, and fed Nora and uh, literally put her and her Johnny jump up uh, and was headed back to uh, my chair. And next thing I knew, I woke up in the hospital. I was going into that meeting expecting them to say, we'll take another picture in three months and see what happens. Uh, Instead, I got, we need to do surgery and we need to do it as quickly as possible. What are you doing on Friday? And so we went from going in on Tuesday thinking we were going to take another MRI three months from then to going, going I'm going to have major, I'm going to have a craniotomy. I'm going to have a, a big portion of my right frontal lobe removed on Friday. Like the thought of my, even now, the thought of my children going bitter towards the Lord by watching me suffer, creates in me just this plea before him. Um, not just to save my life, but to save their souls. But there have been these moments in this season where there's no reason for peace, mm -hmm. that we've just had it. And, and so, I mean, so I can say now, yes, I've tangibly felt the prayers of the saints. I've laid in bed at night and gone, I, I know right now people are praying for me. It, it's so much more than a child story. I, I hate that we've made those great Old Testament narratives children's stories, but the Adrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they say he can, he will, and even if he doesn't. And, and so that's, that's where I'm standing. He can heal me. I believe he will heal me. I believe I'm going to be an old, surly Baptist preacher. Um, <laughs> and, and even if he doesn't, and, and that's the thing. I, I mean, I read Philippians 1. I know what Paul says. If I'm here, then let's work. Mm -hmm. But if I go home, that's better. He can, he will, and even if he doesn't, can you all say that? How many of you can say all three of those? He can, got that down, I know you can say that one. He will, you can do that one, right? 
How about the third one? Even if he doesn't bring the healing, what? I am faithful to my God because I know where I'm going after I leave this earth. Correct? His faith is what? Everything. It's not a little part of his life. It is all of his life. So is yours. Make no mistake about it. It's all of you. It's all of your faith. How you guys doing? You going to make it? Is your faith going to make it, I guess, should be the question. How many of you, you, you say, you know, Pastor, my, I'm not going to live in that doubt. I'm making the switch now. Like right now, I'm making the switch. You don't make it when you leave. You make it now. You wait. That's all your doubt. Oh, just wait a little while. Your doubt will keep you from God. Today, if you hear the, hear the voice of God, today you answer his call. Today, now. Is that not what the Bible says? You don't wait. You do it now. Because your life is too important for God for you to wait whether you want to decide doubt or faith. Do you understand? Could we uh, close in prayer? Let's, uh, let's just sing as we go. And I, I, How are you guys going to do this? Which one are you going to go with? Most people are going to go with doubt. You can preach all day. They're still going to go with doubt. I wish I could give you faith. I can't give you faith. The only one who gives you faith is who? God. You go to God. You say, God, I am in the midst of the worst time in my life, and I am putting my roots in you that no matter what happens to me, I'm operating my life by faith. I'm trusting in you regardless of whatever happens to me. That is faith. And that is what God is calling you to. That is what he's calling me to. I can't make the choice for you. But I'll tell you one thing. They both want something from you. Doubt wants something. What does doubt want? It wants you to invest in it. And when you invest in it, you invest in fear and worry and isolation and panic. You invest in it. It wants you to. You have to. Faith says the same thing. Faith says, no, no, you don't invest in that. You invest in me. You invest in my word. You invest in my presence. You invest in prayer. You invest in living in me. They both ask for that. You understand that, right? They both want an investment. But I can clearly tell you, one's going to bring death, and one's going to bring life. Do you know the difference in what you're investing in? Is what you're investing in death or life? Ask yourself that question. And if you're investing in death and fear and worry and anxiety and what people think of you, say, God, forgive me. I don't want to keep living that way. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a decision to put my trust in you no matter what. That's all that God wants from you. And one day you'll be supremely happy. If you're here today, let's stand. And you want to make that decision? Don't worry about anybody else. Of many of you are in the midst of stuff. And you know that the Lord is working. Maybe you being here today is God's plan for you to be here because he's already preparing you. He's already knowing what's happening and he's trying to warn you ahead of time. Do you hear? Or do you walk out of here like, oh, no big deal. Just went to church today. <laughs> uh, no. God's been trying to talk with you. He's been warning you. He's been advising you. He's been telling you how to live. It's not just church, guys. It's God. If you're here today and you want to make that decision, then come up and just say, Lord, I, 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 I want to move out of my fear and my doubt, and I'm going to move into faith. I'm going to put my trust in you, no matter what. You want to do that? Do that now. Just come.
no strength to do it, God. You have the strength. You have the will. You have the wisdom. You got the advice. You have the direction. You have patience, God. You have everything, Lord. We have nothing. We are nothing, God, without you. Absolutely nothing. We are empty, empty of self, God. We need you, Lord. We need your faith. We need your sustaining us. We need your motivation. We need you lifting us up. We need you, God, to fan the fire of our faith and speak life again to us, God. Walk by faith. Fan the flame of faith. Live a life that's not filled with fear, but of a sound mind, knowing who our God is in the midst of everything that we deal with, knowing that you are the Lord and you will help us get us through, God. You are a faithful, faithful God, and nothing will stop your hands. You have created everything, God. It is all in your hands and your power, Lord. We put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. God bless you guys.